ago, we began a sermon that still is not finished. It will be finished this morning. There's many aspects to our study as we look at the authority of Christ. We're looking at the nature and the character of His authority, the propensities and dimensions of it. And it's taken a while for us to get to the point we are this morning. As we finish out this morning looking at the fact that God demands respect for His authoritative word as given by His Son. You remember we started out looking at the, the authority of Christ. He has all authority. When you read the Gospel of John, you, John tells you in the last chapter, the 20th chapter, verse 30 and 31, he tells you why he wrote the book. He said, Truly many other signs did Jesus in the presence of his disciples that's not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. And as John writes about the miracles Jesus done, he didn't record all of them. He just recorded the ones that showed the significance of his divinity. Jesus was proven to be divine by the miracles that he performed over quality, over quantity, over demons, over life, over death, over disease. And in every respect of life, he showed himself to be divine. In fact, Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews, and he came to Jesus in John, the fifth chapter. And he told him, he said, Master, we know that you're a man from God because no man can do what you do except God be with him. It was evident. Peter stood on the day of Pentecost, and he addressed the Jews from every nation under heaven that was gathered there. And he addressed him with these words. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man that was approved of God by miracles and signs and wonders which God did by him in your midst as ye yourselves also know. They couldn't deny it. When Jesus came back to Jerusalem, they didn't try to deny his power. They just misinterpreted it. They welcomed him into Jerusalem with palm leaves laid down for his horse to ride on. They failed to see the sign that he'd given them of surrender. He came back to Jerusalem to die, you see, <coughs> and fulfill the will of the Father. And in doing so, he didn't come riding in like kings would on a white charger. He came in on a colt of an ass. They failed to see it. And as he rode in on the palm leaves that they laid down for him, they cried out, uh, Hosanna. In other words, save now. Save now. They knew he had the power, but they wanted deliverance from Rome, not from sin. And that's why they killed him. And they mocked him on the cross. <coughs> he can save others, but himself he cannot save. <coughs> so Jesus proved himself to be the man of all authority. He declared it in Matthew 28, verse 18. 
As he finished his work the Father sent him to do, he said, All authority has now been given unto me in heaven and earth. He has authority over diseases. You knew that, though, didn't you? There's never been a disease unknown to God. He's the one that sent them. You look up the word disease in your concordance and you follow it out in your study. You find out that God has sent many times diseases upon man. The bubonic plague that killed most of the world at one time a couple centuries ago was sent by God. It had purpose. It had meaning. And it was sent by this God that Paul described as a consuming fire in the Hebrew letter in the 10th chapter. He also declared that it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It is because of the authority the Lord Jesus Christ has. He was the one by the power of his word that created the world. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God and by Him all things were made. And without Him, it says, was not anything made that is made. And so you began in Genesis to see the power of God's Word. He spoke to the rocks and the trees to outer space and to the planets as he spoke them into existence and gave them the order in which they obeyed to this very day. As Colossians 1 verse 18 says, he upholds all things by the word of his power. Gravity is upheld by his power. We enjoy everything in his power. And so... <clears throat> And so we studied. We started our study with the fact that Jesus has all authority. Well, so he has all authority. What did he do with it? That was our next study. What did he do with it? Well, he vested or placed or put all authority in his word. In John 12, verse 48, Jesus said, He that rejects me and receives not my words hath one that judges him. The very word that I have spoken shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me gave me a commandment what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. And so he vested all authority in his word. Well, how do we know about that word? Well, the next study that we had was the fact that he gave that authoritative word to the apostles. Twelve men. In John 15, verse 16, he told those twelve men, You didn't choose me, I chose you. In verse 27 of that same chapter, he told them what he chose them for. To be witnesses and testify when the Holy Ghost come upon them and empowered them miraculously. In fact, uh, in fact, in John 10, verse 19 and 20, 
excuse me, that might be Matthew 10, 19, and 20. <laughs> Jesus told those 12 men, don't give any thought to what you shall say when you're brought up before kings and magistrates. And their life was hanging in the balance when they were brought up before these men, these kings and magistrates. And Jesus said, don't even give it a thought. For it shall be given you in that time what you shall say. And then in verse 20 he says, For it's not you that's talking. It's not you that speaks, but the Spirit of my Father which is in you. And so these men were guaranteed the miraculous endowment of the Spirit to declare the truth once and for all to the world. They were the ones commissioned by his authority to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And it was accomplished. So Jesus has all authority. He's vested all authority in his word. He gave that authoritative word to the apostles. And we have a record of it right here. This is our record. What about that authoritative word? <clears throat> we found out from our study that it was sufficient for all of our needs. God didn't leave us ill-equipped down here, but he gave us a word that is sufficient for all that we need. For life and the godliness. That's what Peter said in 2 Peter 1 verse 3. According as his divine power has given us all things through the knowledge of him that's called us to glory and virtue. Where are they found? In God's Word. God didn't stumble around in His Word. He didn't leave something out that you needed. It's sufficient for all things. That's the nature of this Word. This authority that Jesus has that He put in His Word. And then we saw that God demands respect for that Word. We began that study last week, and uh, I'm not sure where we stopped. Uh, I think along in here, wasn't it? Leviticus? Okay, we'll, we'll start there anyway. <laughs> and hopefully we'll finish up in the next few minutes. And my time's already up. But God demands respect. First Peter 4 11 he said if any man speak let him speak as the mouth of God that God in all things may be glorified. First Corinthians 4 6 Paul wrote about men preaching. He said I wrote these things for me and Apollos that you might learn in us not to think of any man be above God's word. We don't worship men we worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And the man that comes to us had better speak as the oracles of God. Galatians 1, 6-9, there was a congregation who'd been perverted by false teachers. And Paul addressed them on that occasion. And said, if any man comes with any other doctrine and what's been revealed, let him be an anathema. Let him be cursed. Pretty hard words. Because God will stand no addition to his word. You don't add to his word. You'll not read anything of a piano 
and worship to God. Yet men have added it. And that's just one example of many things that they've added that you can't find authorization in the Word of God for. It's not there. We're not arguing that, so we go on. But these are scriptures that God said you don't add to His Word. In Revelation 22, any man that adds to the Word of God, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. Proverbs 36, 30 and verse 6. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Boy, is there a lot of liars out here that stands in the pulpits today that does not speak with the authority of God's word. He also warned us about no substitution or subtraction from his word. You know, religion is not a thing that you work out. It's a thing God worked out. It's his plan. It's his pattern. It's not yours. Where did you ever get the idea you were so high and mighty? But that's where a man places himself as somebody with importance more than God. And so they write up their own religions. They make their own decisions. But he said also, no subtraction or substitution. Revelation 22, 19. Any man who takes away from the words of this book, God will take his place out of the holy city. He's a doomed individual because God will not tolerate subtraction or substitution. In Matthew 15, 9, we find Jesus speaking about the Jewish religion and the Jews. He said, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts far from me. Oh, I imagine them Jews could sing, Oh, how I love Jesus, kind of like we do. And it was from the teeth forward. It wasn't from the heart. So he said, In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. There's the addition and the subtraction and all of that that goes on in the religious world. <laughs> so then we turn to our teaching in regard to God demanding respect for his authoritative word. So we turn to our attention to the Old Testament examples. Because Paul said in Romans 15, 4, that whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. That we, through patience of the scriptures, might have hope. Comfort of the scriptures, excuse me, might have hope. You mean the Old Testament has a value? Yes, it does. It certainly does. We try to divide the Old Testament from the New Testament, and we go too far with it. It is true that we're not under that Old Covenant. We're under the New Covenant, that the Old Covenant was a shadow of and a foreannouncement of. But still in all, it's one book. And the Old Testament has value. Paul said it did. Those things written for time, written for our learning. Our salvation depends on it. In Genesis 3, we saw last week, I think, the problem with Adam and Eve. God said, don't eat of the tree. They ate of it. So I won't elaborate on that any more than that. <laughs> 
Leviticus 10, 1 and 2. I think we discussed that one, didn't we? Anybody want to volunteer to hold up a hand? I think, well, maybe we didn't. I don't think we did. We did? Mm-mm. Oh, we didn't. Well, Leviticus 10, 1 and 2, it says that Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, now that's important because they were chosen by God to be priests. And they are priests. And it says they took each of them their censer and put fire there, uh, incense thereon and offered up strange fire before the Lord. Now here's men who's doing God's service. They're serving as the priests that they were inaugurated by God to do. But notice one thing. They offered up a strange fire. <clears throat> now, that's all God wanted me to know about it. That's all I need to know about it. They added something. They changed something. They substituted something is the idea. And fire came out from God and devoured them. And they died before the Lord. Because God demands respect for his word. He had told them earlier the kind of fire they was to use. And here they used a strange fire. They didn't see nothing wrong with it. Why, it looked good to man. Caused their death. God demands respect for his word. Numbers 20, we have the case of Moses. The great man of God. At God's own choosing. He chose him to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And God testified that there never was a meeker man than Moses. And yet Moses overstepped his boundary. On one occasion the people were murmuring because there was no water for their cattle and for their sheep and all of that. And Moses went out in anger. And God said, speak to that rock that it might bring forth water. And he struck it with his cane. And he said, must we fetch water for you rebels? He was a little upset with them. On another occasion, he went to God and he said, did I give birth to all these people that I ought to be responsible for? He had some heavy burdens to carry. But it did not negate the fact that God demands respect for his word. Now you might say, well, what's the difference in striking a rock or speaking to it? It's called God said speak to it and he struck it. So God demands respect for his word as we look back at the examples in the Old Testament. <laughs> First Samuel 15. Israel wanted a king. And God gave them just exactly what they thought they wanted. He gave them Saul. Saul was head and shoulders above all the army of Israel. You know, men uh, put their trust in human strength, and they did in Saul. We put our trust in human things. America trusts in airplanes and tanks and military might. They don't trust in God. It says it on our money. But I don't know very many people that trust in God, do you? And neither did they. And <clears throat> so God gave them what they wanted. They wanted to be like the other nations. And God in his wrath <coughs> gave them a king. They rejected God as king. 
And he gave them exactly what they thought they wanted. Saul's first commission was to go out and utterly destroy the Amalekites. Man, woman, child, anything that breathed was to die. That was the command of God. Saul took the army and went out against the Amalekites. And on his victory train back, he brought Agag, the king, and he brought the fattest of the sheep. And the prophet of God met him on the road and said, Have you carried out what God commanded you? Oh, yeah, 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 I did. I'm a faithful minister of what God sent me to do. Well, the prophet said, Why do I hear the bleeding of the sheep? And who is this king here that you brought back with you? Your order was to kill all of them. Oh, well, you see, we was doing good things. We thought we'd bring back King Agag and the sheep to offer as a sacrifice unto God. Now, doesn't that, from human reason, look like a justifiable per- reason? <coughs> and the prophet of God told him, what you've done is worse than witchcraft. Because it's better to obey God than sacrifice. And he lost his kingship over that one act. He didn't listen to God. He altered the word of God. Second Samuel 6, you'll read about Uzzah, a very good man, a very righteous man. And they went to retrieve the ark of God that was at this farmer's place. I won't go into the story, my time's already up. But he went into this farmer's place to retrieve this ark. They went after it with a new cart with drawn with oxen. God had already told them how to deal with the ark. It was built with rings in the side of it and long rods that went through there and only the priest could carry the ark, but they were not to touch the ark. Because it was the residence of God in Israel. (coughs) They went down to get it and they put it on the cart. And as they took off, that cart stumbled. And that ark began to fall. And Uzzah, bless his heart, he stuck his hand out and, and stopped it from falling. And God killed him. Because no man was to touch the ark and he knew that. Oh, but that was a good thing. No, it wasn't. Not when it comes to defying the Word of God. And so God demanded respect for His Word. That's what we see in the Old Testament all the way through. In Romans 11, verse 22, Paul said, Behold, from the Old Testament, Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God, unto them which fell severity. But under thee, goodness, provided you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also should be cut off. Paul was right. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You might play around with one another and deceive one another and lie to one another. You don't do that with God. Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. The writer begins with the word therefore. 
And therefore is the wherefore that went before. In other words, it's a conclusion based on what he's already said in chapter 1. And in chapter 1, he proved Jesus to be divine, the Son of God, the creator of the universe, and the judge of the world. And he says, therefore, in other words, in view of that fact, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we've heard, lest at any time we drift away from them. And here's why. For if the word spoken by angels in the Old Testament was steadfast, and every transgression received within itself a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? which at first began to be spoken by the Lord, and afterwards was confirmed unto them that heard him, the, uh, the apostles. Verse 4, God also bearing them witness, both of signs and wonders and divers matters, miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, as God willed it. Well, I bet you didn't think we was going to finish the lesson. That's it. <laughs> you know you could go on with days over these studies but we try to reduce them down to where we just look at the essence but we've seen the authority of Christ Jesus there's not a thing happens down here there's not a, a blade of grass that will, withers that God didn't know about it Jesus being God the one that died for us the one that created this universe the one in Colossians 1.18, it upholds all things by the word of His power. All those statements have volumes to speak within themselves. We just don't have time. But here's a brief picture of the authority of Christ. The fact He vested all authority in His word. He gave that authoritative word to chosen men, not just to anyone, to chosen men. There were 12 of them. And they left us a decalogue, a record of God's Word as God worked through those men inspired men you and I are inspired by the Word but our inspiration comes by perspiration not by being inspired by God in a miraculous way we've seen that that Word was sufficient for all of our needs and now we finish with the fact that God demands respect for that word. Now we're not finished in a sense because the next lesson that we're going to have is going to deal with what is that law of Christ? Here he has all authority. Now what's that law? When did it go into effect? And what is it? What does it require of me? So there will be about three or four sessions of that and then we'll be finished with this study. <laughs> but we've seen that he has all authority. And because he does, he gives us a law. What is that law? What is the law of salvation? Do you know? Peter said to be ready always to give answer to every man that asks you. Are you ready? Well, we can start being ready when we go into that study the next time I'm up here preaching. Thank you for listening to me. The lesson is yours. And so let's stand while we sing our closing hymn. <coughs>
There's a great day coming, a great day coming, there's a great day coming by and by, when the saints and the sinners shall be parted right and left. Are you ready for that day to come? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? There's a bright day coming, a bright day coming, there's a bright day coming by and by. But his brightness shall only come to them that love the Lord. Are you ready for that day to come? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? There's a sad day coming, a sad day coming. There's a sad day coming by and by. When the sinner shall hear his truth depart, I know ye not. Are you ready for that day to come? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? Two announcements. Um, next Saturday is first Saturday of the month. That's our, our men's fellowship. So, any of you men that have the time to come to my house, we'll, uh, we'll feed you and we'll sit around and visit with one another. It's a good time. If you can find that time, it'd be awesome. So, we have that. And then um, that Sunday is also our potluck Sunday. And just as well, we can have it at the house. It's close for everybody. We have some coming from the Tri-Cities, some coming from the far side, up on the hill. Anyways. Everyone's um, welcome. Everyone's welcome. That's next Sunday after services. We'll have a potluck and uh, make it my place, and it's always a good time. There's plenty of food for everybody. Even if you don't bring anything, please come if you get the opportunity. Again, you men, remember next Saturday. It's a good time for us to oh, you're at my house. What time? Nine o'clock always. We won't change it. Ballot man must be excused. Our Heavenly Father, we come here this morning to worship you, sing songs of praise to you, to honor you with the greatest honor that we could muster from our heart. We look into your word and we see the truth. We see this life and we see that you are the sustainer of all the things that are around about us. We look to you for our faith in your word. We look to you for eternity with you in a blissful place that you prepared for us in heaven. An inheritance that you gifted to us and we are eternally grateful to have that. And to have that peace that we have that. To know that our life is eternally going to be with you one day when we're done here. Thank you for all things. We pray, Father, always that you be with us. We know that you are, but in a verbal way we ask you, Father, to be with us and to continue to direct us and guide us and lead us in the ways that you would have us to be and steer us away from the, the things that snare us up in this life 
And we know that you bless us with all these things and give us the strength and, and give us the ability to withstand all the temptations that are around about us that would be against you and your will. And so we know, Father, that we, we have all things that you would have us to have that would lead us and guide us and direct us. So go with us, Father, and may our will be thine. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.